This is Transforming Truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. And good evening, Detroit. This is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. You are tuned in to a show that believes in the wonder-working supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. If you're doing whatever tonight, don't touch that aisle. I want you to stay tuned because I'm going to pray for you during this broadcast. And I believe, God, that whatever is inflicting your life, whatever problem or situation that you faced, I believe, God, tonight that he's going to bring forth his power. He'll manifest his glory and reveal his kingdom. And so I want you to stay tuned tonight as I pray for you and as I teach to you the word of God. The word of God says about itself that it's quick, it's powerful, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it has the ability to get right to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit. It can divide your soul from your spirit and supply to you, past your emotions, everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. So stay tuned. Listen, what you're listening to tonight is going to feed you. Movies, television, all that is entertainment. What it's going to do is feed your mind candy, feed your mind something that causes it to be distracted and it's fun but i'll tell you what the word of god will do for you something that nothing else is able to do so i want you to stay tuned tonight as we get into what god has for us and even if you made the worst mistake of your life or you're feeling guilty or condemned the bible says there's no condemnation to them that are in christ jesus and so i want you to hear the word because it has the power to lift that con condemnation off you to lift that dread that fear that concern all of that off you so stay tuned tonight as we go forward in what God has for us. And uh, before we get started, I want to let you know that we're very thankful for all of our partners that write to us and that give and contribute to the ministry. You can find more about our ministry at www.chrispalmerministries.com or you can write to us, P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. And uh, you can email us, info at chrispalmerministries.com, and we always love to hear from you. Also, our book, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, well, I should say my book, because <laughs> I was the only one that wrote it, it is available on amazon.com or barnesandnobles.com. If you want to go to amazon or barnesandnobles.com and type in The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, you will find your book. And for those that listen who have pre-ordered books, they'll be shipped next week and so we're excited about that and we will be teaching this book on October 25th let me make sure I get the dates right because we're going to be putting on four events to teach this book uh, October 25th um, November 1st November 8th and November 15th at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi Michigan I'll be teaching this book four Fridays in a row at 7.30 p.m., so I want you to be there. I will be there in person, and if you want to meet me or pray or need prayer or whatever, I would love to see all those that listen to the Transforming Truth broadcast. It's going to be called The Believer's Journey, and so come take The Believer's Journey and find out where you are going. It will be a blessing to you. It's a free event, so come, bring a friend, bring a pen and a pencil. There will be anointed praise. There will be worship. There will be... Um, prayer for the sick, and they'll be teaching and, of course, preaching. So I want you to be there. Again, let me give you those dates. That's October 25th, 
November 1st, November 8th, and November 15th at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi, Michigan. It's right over there by Fountain Walk next to the Imagine Theater. And I believe that it will be a blessing to you and we'll be putting out more information as that becomes available. Um, also tonight, I want to remind you of our podcast, On the Road with Chris Palmer. Tune into that. And we are working to update and get all of our shows on there as well. So, let's jump into what God has for us tonight. Let me pray. Father, I worship and I praise you. I thank you for every person that's tuned into the broadcast. Some people need healing, deliverance. There are those, Father, that are looking to make a connection with you, to touch you. Their heart is reaching for something, Lord. And I pray tonight by the power of your Holy Ghost and by the power of your wonder-working Spirit, that you would touch every individual listening. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over every sickness and every disease that is presented in every listener's body. And I command that sickness and disease to break. And I break the power of every infirmity and every weakness and every tormenting spirit. Harassing every listener tonight, God. I pray for people that do not know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would convict them by the power of your Spirit, that they would turn their life from sin and give it to Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that you would awaken in every listener an awareness that we're living in the end times, Father, and that you are on the way back and coming soon. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you praise and glory for your Spirit and for your Son, and that we are sons of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now listen, last night, Excuse me, last week on the broadcast, I started touching, I had my good friend Hermes with me, and we started touching on the subject, uh, and we didn't get to expand on it, which is waiting on God. And I felt, as I began to prepare and prayer and study for this show, that that's where we would go this week and talk about waiting on God. And people today, they think that uh, there are certain concepts inside of the Word of God that have been buried under the dirt of tradition and familiar thinking. Uh, when we hear something so often as human beings, we stop and forget about the meaning that phrase or that word has. Uh, this is what happens when people's names. Every single name has a meaning to it. My name is Christopher. But that name has a meaning to it, and that name is Christ Bearer. And when you say the name Christopher, you're really saying Bearer of Christ. And that name triggers that. Like if I say, you know... Gasoline. <clears throat> That's just not a word. That's a name. And when I say that, it puts a picture in your mind of what you put in your car tank to drive. Well, when you say the name Christopher, it's not supposed to just bring my picture in your face or you just say, oh, that's just a name. It's just a sound. No, it has a meaning behind it. And that means somebody who bears Christ or someone who represents the Christ or somebody that bears the anointing of God. Every time someone calls me by that name, that's what they're confessing. That's why it's important, parents, if you're listening tonight, what you name your child. Because whatever you name your child has a root behind it, and you're going to confess that over their lives, and you're going to drill that into them, and you're speaking their destiny by saying their name. Well, if you say something so often, so long, it starts to lose its meaning. And this is what happens a lot of times with words inside of, or phrases inside of the Bible, you, you begin to disassociate the meaning from the name, and it just becomes another term and another phrase. And one of these concepts from the Word of God is the term waiting on God. Ask somebody, 
what they think the term wait on God means, and you're going to draw all kinds of answers. Some people are going to say, well, you know, I, I guess when I think about waiting on God, it means to go in my room and to pray. Another person might say, well, I guess it means to worship. Someone might say, well, it means to pray. And, of course, there's somebody that might say, well, I don't like to wait on God because that means I just sit in my room bored and I wait for God to come and He never shows up. And I can tell you that if our idea of waiting on God means to watch the paint peel off of the walls in some type of morbid expectation that maybe, just maybe this time, God will come and show up in His manifest person and presence and power, then you will be highly disappointed. Uh, because I can tell you that if you serve the Lord for any time, and even myself have been through it where I'm waiting, waiting, and God never shows up, and that's not necessarily what waiting God, on God means to just be bored and put some time in with God so He's not angry, so at least you can tell Him, God, I tried to wait for you, but you never came. Well, you're about to see tonight that when you really wait on God, He always comes, and He always shows up, and He always manifests His presence, he manifests his power, and he manifests his glory to you. You're going to find out tonight that, as a matter of fact, waiting on God is an ancient practice that should not be neglected by the church today. It is a practice that was uh, performed by the prophets of old, by Samuel, David, by Abraham, by Moses, and by the New Testament saints. And today we will see that waiting on God has much more to do than just sitting in your bedroom. It has everything to do with you as a Spirit becoming detached from your environment and your surrounding and connecting and hooking up to an eternal Godhead and spirit that is all intelligence, that has every virtue uh, as he is the source of every virtue and you are attaching to that and connecting to that to provide in your life a system override. Where all your negative emotions and negative thoughts and everything in you that needs to be cleaned out is wiped away and replaced by the channel of the Holy Ghost. We'll see that in just a minute. It says here in Psalm chapter 27 and verse number 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, this is David talking in the 27th Psalm. If you read the preceding 13 verses, you'll find out that <laughs> this was not a psalm of happiness. Actually, let me read to you a couple of verses here. You know, David was always getting himself into something. I tell you what, when you are born again by the Holy Ghost and or by God and the Holy Ghost performs that work inside of you and connects you to Jesus... You're actually stepping into something that uh, is not an end but a beginning. And get ready to get targeted by the enemy. You're going to find out that the Christian life is a journey. The Christian life is an experience. And that's what I write about in the book, The Believer's Journey. And I talk about when you're born again, how you're picked off and isolated by the enemy. How you have the opposition of your flesh that comes against you to draw you away from the position that you have been declared in Jesus Christ, and that is alive with God in Christ Jesus, and how God has given you mighty weapons of warfare to, to combat that. And we're going to see tonight one of these weapons is waiting on God. Look what it says right here in verse 
uh, 1 of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I feel? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, though my heart, my heart shall not fear, though a war should rise against me. So, in the first three verses, we're seeing David is contending with his enemies. He's uh, objected by war. He has a host all around him. What is his answer? Verse number 14. Wait on the Lord. So, you telling me that when I have an enemy come against me, I can wait on the Lord and that will provide me the way out? Yes. Are you telling me that when people are coming at you and seeking vengeance, that you can find a secret place in waiting on God? Yes, but what's it going to do? You're going to see it will provide the strength that you need to pull yourself up out of the difficulty and advance your way forward into the destiny and what God had said that you can be in Him. But notice here in verse number 14, it says that waiting on the Lord strengthens your heart. David didn't say it strengthens your mind, it strengthens the inner part of you, and that is your heart. So you'll find that waiting on the Lord is a spiritual exercise, and it involves the inner man more so than the outer man. I'll say this, that religion tries to get you to dress up the outer man and get you to act through the outer man to reach God. But you're going to find that most people, well, I'll tell you this from experience, that most people that I talk to, when they're frustrated with God, or they say, I tried God when I was 18, 20, and I just didn't enjoy it. I've had my experience with him. I gave him a try, and when I see him, I'll let him know that. Well, let me tell you what. If they're dissatisfied, that's because they tried to reach God with their outer man, and the outer man can never produce for you what the inner man is reaching for. And David is saying this, that you cannot connect to God with that outer man. Now that's something I always say. As a matter of fact, let me reiterate this. Um, there are people that hear about what I do, or they hear about what other preachers of the gospel, for I you know, definitely am not the only one that's out there preaching the gospel full time. There are other great ministers. And uh, they see what I do, and immediately uh, they are enamored and say, wow, you must have a great relationship with God. If only I could do what you do. You just amazing that you go preach the gospel for Jesus. Well, let me tell you this, that my connection with God is not based on what I do for God. And I'll say that again. My connection with God is not based on what I do for God, or it's not based upon what my outward performance looks like. I have no more close of a relationship with the Lord because I'm a preacher or because I have a radio show or because I write books for the kingdom of God. I have a relationship with God that extends beyond what I do and comes from my inner man. And I know people that are in ministry that are extremely dissatisfied. They're extremely um, frustrated with their experience because all they have is teaching and preaching, but they don't and have never cultivated that inner relationship with God and with the kingdom of God. They've never cultivated that through, we're going to see, waiting on God. And you're going to see that tonight. Now, you have to access Him with your inner man. And waiting on Him is the thing that's going to allow you to do that quicker than any other exercise in God. Let me show you this. It says that um, 
in uh, the 14th verse, wait on the Lord. You'll see that as a result of waiting, the waiter went from being downcast and in despair to strengthened. The Hebrew word for strengthen here means to fortify, it means to establish, and it means to prevail. Therefore, waiting on God is what is going to cause your inner man to rise to the occasion. Now here's something interesting, and it's going to shed more light on this process of waiting on God. The Hebrew word wait, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I'm not a Hebrew scholar, and I don't even want to try. <laughs> but I'm a Greek student. That I could do, but not the Hebrew. The Hebrew means to bind together by twisting. So when you go look at some twine that you have in your house, you'll notice that most twine or most rope is a three-cord uh, rope. It is a uh, strand of three. And you take three ropes and you bind them all together and it becomes a rope. Well, uh, this is really where this word is coming from. And it means uh, to bind together like as twine. And this is described, or actually it also means to gather together and to twist together. So think about this when David said that he's going to wait on God. He was saying that I'm going to bind myself together. I'm going to bind my heart together. And I'm going to become one with God through this process of waiting on the Lord. So if you spend most of your time sitting around and waiting for God to show up, you're not connecting with Him, and therefore you're losing the purpose of waiting on God, and it's becoming a uh, waste of time. Well, Brother Palmer, how could you say it's a waste of time sitting in my bedroom and, 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 and giving time to God? God doesn't need your time, and you don't need to give it to Him. Your time that you spent with God is for your benefit. It's not for His and he desires you, and he desires to fellowship with you, but he has given you access or righteousness to come to him and to connect with him, and it's for your benefit, and if you don't twist yourself up together with him and become one with him the way that three ropes become one or two ropes become one, when you twist them together, then you're missing out on precious benefits that come from waiting on him. And so there is uh, another word, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 9, it's actually the same word, but I want to read it to you. This is the account of creation. And it says in Genesis 1 verse 9, And God said, Let the waters, the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And so it was. The word for gathered together is the same word that the psalmist used to describe waiting on God. In this scripture, you'll know, and notice that the water was scattered over the face of the deep, was scattered over all the land, and God wanted to take all this scattered water and to put it into one place so that dry land could appear on the earth. And so when the water all gathered together into one place and into one location, this is how the word for uh, wait is described. 
And so like the flowing water that comes together, when we wait on God, our spirits, our spirits flow into His Spirit, and we become one great inseparable body. We become spirit of His Spirit. I mean, that's where we came from. That's where our life originated. Out of His Spirit came our spirits. Now, <clears throat> look at it like this. You have, and, and if you could see me, I would show you this illustration. Two glasses of water, and you take one glass, and you pour it into the other glass, and all of the water just mixes, and you can't separate that once again. I mean, if you have one glass of water and another glass of water, and you dump one into the other, you can't reverse that process and say, no, pull out all the water that was in the glass and put it back in this glass. There's no way you can ever be able to do that because it becomes intermingled. All of the H2O becomes inseparable. Well, look at it like that. Next time you have difficulty or fear or concern, whatever you're facing in life, you want to become intermingled with God, intermingled with His Spirit, and you want to have a connection so when your enemies come looking for you, they can't tell the difference between you and they can't tell the difference between God because you have waited on Him. Waiting on God is also known as hiding yourself in God. I am hid with God in Christ Jesus. You have, uh, you have merged your spirit with His Spirit by connecting with God. Are you someone saying, well, brother, I don't know about if I like this teaching. Well, listen, hey, it's what the Word of God teaches. You have merged your spirit with His Spirit, and when people come looking for you, they'll see your spirit and His Spirit, and they won't know where to separate you from God, and you're hid away with Him in Christ, like the New Testament, like Paul writes in the New Testament. And so, this is what waiting on God is. But, how can you practice waiting on God on purpose? Is there a way where you can just get with God and begin to wait on Him? Now, let me say this. Waiting on God cannot be substituted with studying the Word. It is not supplicating in prayer and asking God for things and asking God to do things in your life. It's not even intercession when you're praying for other people. Now, you need to do those things and you need to be bold. If you have things to ask God for, you should ask Him. Someone asked me the other day, they said, I had needs in my life, but I feel that I am being selfish by asking God for those things. And I said, you better ask God for those things. Uh, you have every right to supplicate. He's your Father. And God knows you're not selfish. Um, if you try to get those things on your own. See, if you don't ask God for those things, then you're going to try and get them on your own, and you're going to be all the more selfish. Or you're going to try and deny yourself those things and be miserable, and that's a form of false humility. Just ask God for what you need. Uh, it says in Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me, and He heard my cry. This is someone, uh, well, of course, it's a Psalm of David, and he successfully waited on God. And when he waited on God, the Lord heard his cry. But this is how you wait on him. Because I could tell you, go wait on God. But it's so vague to you because you don't understand what that actually literally entails to do that. In Psalm 69 and verse 20. Let me turn there so I can read 
it for you because it's, the word for weight is also described differently. It's not described gathered together here or to bind, but in Psalm chapter 69 and verse 20, it says, I'll read it for you. It says, Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. The word here for looked is the word for wait. So, it's describing in the waiting process is the same as the looking, or the same as the binding together, or the same as the gathering together. So, to wait on God, first of all, it requires patience. And we're going to see that in just a second, why you have to have patience to wait on God. And it has to do with the fact that waiting on God is primarily looking with the eyes of your inner man unto Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. It is a spiritual exercise, like I said. Now, the eyes of your inner man, they have a spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So your inner man has eyes. It says in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so... This is what waiting on God has to do. So often the eyes of our inner man are neglected and set on the wrong thing because they're neglected. They have to be set on something. The eyes of your inner man, whether you're born again and have a reborn human spirit, or whether you're not born again and you don't have a reborn human spirit, you still have eyes because you have an inner man. And so, <laughs> you know, the eyes of our inner man... Usually, if they're not focused on Jesus, where are they focused? Of course, on oneself. When the eyes of your inner man are focused on yourself, here's the problem. When you run into trouble, like the trouble described in Psalm chapter 27, verse, or actually all of Psalm chapter 27, you're limited to the resources of your own spirit, and your resources in your spirit cannot supply to you the power that you need to overcome whatever has arisen. So, waiting on God means the exercise of shifting your spiritual eyes off of yourself and taking them and putting them onto the Lord. People say this all the time. We say, well, brother, you just need to take your eyes off yourself and look onto Jesus and put them onto Jesus. I get what they're saying, and they're correct, but I don't think they understand what they're saying when people say it like that. Because that is easily uh, almost oversimplified by just saying, well, just take your eyes off yourself and put them over onto Jesus. And you say, well, how do I do that? And you say, okay, I know I'm conscious of myself and I'm conscious of the issues and the problems that are around me. But how do I put my eyes on Jesus? So he leaves the person that tells you to do that and you're stuck still trying to figure out how to put your eyes on him. Look what it says here though. In Psalm chapter 25. And this is why I was just saying. That it takes patience to do this. People that want to wait on God. And make a connection with him. And be spirit of his spirit. 
and merge yourself together like two glasses of water coming together. You're going to have to have a determination about you that will not allow you to settle until that merging takes place. Because I can tell you that if you want to be a preacher, you're going to have to look for this merging. If you want to minister the Word of God, you have to look for this welding together of your spirit with His spirit. And it's not going to come through busyness. It's not going to come through hard work. It's not going to come through labor or exhaustion or whatever you think that religion can give you. It's going to come when the connection is made. And the psalmist is telling you you can get it if you learn how to shift and make a connection with the Holy Ghost. Look what it says here in Psalm 40 verse 1. Well, I'm at Psalm 28. Boy, I better get over here to Psalm number 40. Okay. <clears throat> I waited patiently for the Lord, of course, and he inclined unto me. Now, like I said before, you have to have patience. But Psalm chapter 25 uh, says here, in verse number 5, Lead me in your truth and teach me. And I'll say it again, lead me in your truth and teach me, for thou art God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all day. All day. The psalmist had been taught directly from the presence of God. There are people I know who have doctorate degrees, master's degrees, have been to seminary, and even know other languages, and have numerous, numerous years of experience with whatever they're talking about. But they do not have on them the electricity and the liveliness in their teaching that others have who may have never been a day in seminary, or step foot in a Bible college, but somehow they've figured out how to make a connection with God, and they've been taught out of His presence. Because ministering the gospel and talking about Jesus, and I thank God for defenders and apologists and people that defend right doctrine, and that's not what I'm talking about. Um, and even that has to be done with the Spirit of God. But when you have been <clears throat> taught out of the presence of God, that's how you minister the gospel, because the gospel is requiring people to have the flow of the Spirit, the fresh wind of God, fresh revelation. I know people that teach the Word of God, but they don't teach from out of that presence. They don't teach from out of that place. You hear them and you say, yes, that's true, and yes, that's correct, and yes, that's well put together, and I agree with everything you say, but something is missing. There's a spice in there, and you realize they have not been taught out of the presence of God. Then some old boy comes along and he spends time waiting on God and hearing from him and he begins to tune his ear uh, to hear the voice of the Lord. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he starts saying the mysteries of Christ Jesus and it releases inside of people an impartation and a hunger to go find the presence of God the way that he has. It says in Psalm chapter 119 verse 99, I have more understanding than all of my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. So you can develop a process or establish in your life a way of going into the presence of God. And setting and looking and putting your focus on Jesus. And waiting until you make that connection 
And that is called meditation. Meditation is not reading. Meditation is not study. Meditation is um, a <clears throat> contemplative state of focusing the eyes of your inner man on something so long that a connection takes place. And when a connection takes place, it starts releasing to you the power that is behind that thing. And as I said before, study cannot necessarily do that for you. Now, you can study your way into meditation, but study is not meditation. So, understand that to make this connection, you have to have patience, and it could take, just like the psalmist said, all day. You know, the misnomer that people have in their thinking when they wait on God is that it might take God all day to arrive. People say, well, I waited, oh, I don't know, 10 hours today. Well, I waited an hour, and, you know, God didn't show up. But that's okay, I love him anyway. He's still good. Actually, it's the other way around. God doesn't try to show up. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. All you have to do is make a connection with him. Actually, matter of fact, it takes us all day to make a connection. So, if nothing has happened in your prayer closet, it's because there was no connection made. And that has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with us. We have to begin as people to learn how to clear ourselves from all the junk that is swirling around inside of us. I remember, uh, I think I've shared this story before, but I'll just share it again because it's pertainable. That one time I was in my bed and I was, you know, falling asleep. And usually, usually I hear cars outside. Usually I hear the wind blowing. Usually I hear the house settling down or there's a fan on or whatever. But none of these were making noise. There was no birds, no frogs, no crickets, nothing. And it was so silent in my house that the silent became deafening to my ear. Because my ear had nothing to hear. It became a piercing silence and there was nothing to hear and nothing for that sense to process. So I started hearing my own thoughts inside of my mind. Started hearing music. Started hearing conversations I had that day. And they were all replaying themselves over and over and over again. And it became so loud that I had to turn something on like a fan to get those thoughts to settle down so I didn't have to hear them anymore. And I thought to myself, is this always going on in my mind where I'm hearing these thoughts, hearing these songs, hearing these conversations? And the answer is yes. You have all that static inside of you that when you go to get before the Lord, it blocks you from making that connection with His Spirit. That's why it says in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Do you think that He was talking about the outer man? Was he talking to a jogger that was running? Or was he talking to a little baby or a little child that was jumping all over the place and on a sugar high? Or was he talking about stealing your inner man and letting that quiet down so that you can hear the voice of the Lord? When you become still inside of your spirit and you learn how to develop that 
then you can begin to recognize the voice of God. Isn't it interesting that in 1 Samuel chapter 3, I believe, when Samuel hears the voice of the Lord three different times, the fourth, he responded, but he heard the voice of the Lord. He was laying on his bed when he was quiet and when there was nobody around to distract him. That's when he first began to recognize the voice of God. We as people will begin to recognize the voice of God when we learn how to quiet ourselves before the Lord and we learn how to steal what's going on inside of us. Now when we get back, we're going to continue talking about waiting on God. So I want you to stay tuned and we'll be back right after this song.
And we are back here on the Transforming Truth Radio broadcast, and we have been talking tonight about waiting on the Lord. Um, if you're just tuning in, I want to let you know that my book, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, has been written, and it is now available on Amazon.com, or you can find it on BarnesandNobles.com, uh, and it will be available for you to order. And so just go in and type the Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, and type in Chris Palmer. Or you can just type in the Believer's Journey and Chris Palmer, and you will find it. And I also wanted to let you know that I will be ministering and teaching this book four Fridays in a row. Friday, October 25th, Friday, November 1st, Friday, November 8th, and Friday, November 15th. I don't want you to miss anyone because I'm going to break this teaching up into four parts. And maybe even more if it continues. It will be a time of prayer praise and worship, and uh, if you've been to one of my services, you will love it. It will be at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi, Michigan, right across from the Imagine Theater. So I want you to come, bring your expectation, bring your um, dependency upon the Holy Ghost. If you have someone sick, bring them. If you have someone that needs to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, bring them. If you have a Bible study, uh, maybe a woman's Bible study, or whatever, Bring them, and you will follow along, and uh, will minister to you in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I promise you, when you leave, you will know exactly where you are heading as a child of God. We're getting back tonight, talking about waiting on the Lord. And uh, what we were talking about is waiting on God means making a connection with Him. And if that connection is not made, that has much not necessarily to do with God. But it has to do with you. Uh, let me give you an example. I remember um, one time when I was, <laughs> I'm laughing, when I was moving into my new house. Not my new house, my condo. The very first thing that people that are grew up in my generation want, they want the internet. They want to get on the internet. And so, you know, when I go overseas, people think I'm funny because... When we go someplace, the first question I ask is, do they have Wi-Fi? Can I get on Wi-Fi? Am I able to get on Wi-Fi? Because if I can get on Wi-Fi, I can find out what's going on back home. I'm looking to make a connection. And so I decided that the first thing I need to put in my house before I even put my bed in there is I need to get some Wi-Fi going so I can tune into what's going on. And I need to get the cable going so I can put the news on and everything else. And so the cable guy comes out. He puts everything in. He installs it. And he leaves. And... When I got around to it, I tried to make a connection to that internet, and nothing was happening. And I kept trying to connect, and I kept trying to connect, kept trying to connect, and nothing was happening. Finally, I thought, you know what? They have not activated my cable because they have to press a button or some send type of some type of signal to your address or to your home. So the cable guy, uh, so I called the uh, cable company and said, hey, listen, will you hit the button so I can make this connection? Will you please send the signal to me? And they said, oh, well, Mr. Palmer, we've already sent that signal. Uh, you should be getting Internet. And I wasn't. So I complained long enough, and they finally sent the cable guy out, and he went and checked my receiver. And he says, ah, you have a bad receiver. That's why you're not getting the signal. So what he did was he replaced the receiver, gave me a new one, and bam, I was able to get on the Internet. Well, that's what happens to us when we wait on God. Many times we're saying, hey, God, why don't you send your signal? 
I'm not getting something from you. And God's saying, I've already given to you my word. I've given to you my spirit. When I sent to you the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, I sent to you the signal. You have everything you need to tap in. But the problem is there is a hiccup in your receiver. And that's all the noise and all the static and all the junk that goes on inside of you. Because you have not kept your spirit quiet before the Lord. That's why I teach so uh, egregiously on praying in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Spirit, you keep your heart sensitive to Him. When, when you meditate the Word of God, when you focus your eyes upon everything that's in these 66 books of the Bible, you begin to cause your ear to be sharp to hear the voice of the Lord. And it autumn, when you pray in the Spirit and when you read the Word of God, it puts you on the channel to hear the voice of the Spirit and it causes your signal to get in line with His signal. That's what waiting on the Lord will do for you. So, like I said before, it's not necessarily studying or petitioning or praise. Waiting on God is more along the lines of focused meditation upon Him. Like it says, looking unto Jesus. So, this is what you would do. Number one, you get quiet before God. Begin to still yourself and the emotions that are swirling around inside of you. Because when you begin to pray... And you begin to go before the Lord and look for that connection. The very first thing that you're going to encounter are all of those emotions swirling around inside of you. And so you have got to be patient to put those things under and get past that flesh realm. And when you begin to set your eyes upon the Lord more and more through setting your eyes upon him, listening, setting your eyes, worshiping him. And worship is a part of this. When you worship, you know, if I was quieting myself before the Lord and waiting on the Lord, I would get quiet and I'd get still before the Lord. I'd put my cell phone in the drawer or turn turn it off. And I would start saying, Father, I worship you. I love you and I worship you. I praise you, Jesus. And every time I said that, I would try and focus in on him. It says in verse number 7 of Isaiah chapter 8, uh, when he's talking about waiting on the Lord, he talked about how he set his eyes upon him. Now, when you set your eyes upon the Lord, you continue this until a connection is made. Well, how do I know a connection is made? Well, let me show you. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, 31, a very, very popular verse. People like to quote it all the time. And let me read it to you. It says here, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up wings like eagles, run and not be weary. They'll walk and not be faint. When you make a connection with the Lord, there will be a system override. That means that you may have come into the presence of God, all these emotions swirling around. And then all of a sudden you connect with God. He begins to override your system. And he starts sending to you his virtues, his thoughts, his ideas. And all of your emotions begin to be replaced. He begins to dilute it. He begins to wash it away. He begins to wipe it completely away. It's like uh, when I just said he begins to dilute it. You know, if you have, let's just say, a, uh, a uh, cup full of dirty water, maybe half a glass, maybe a fourth glass of dirty water. 
and you want to rinse the glass out. You're going to take that glass, you're going to put it under the sink, and you're going to flip the handle, and all that water is going to come rushing in that, and it's going to start filling that glass up until all the dirty water comes out of it, and you let that run for a little while, and before long, you have a clean glass full of clean water. That's what happens when you wait on God. He comes in, fills you with his thoughts, everything that's in him out of his glory, and it begins to push out all of your nasty thoughts, all of your nasty emotions, all of your anger, all of your fear, all of your frustration. But that cannot happen until you make a connection with him through waiting. Here's something I like to say. To be effective, you have to be connected. I'll say it again. To be effective, you have to be connected. I know people, like I said before, that have higher education, and they can take you through the scriptures and break things down and rightly divide, but there is no effectiveness in their ministry because they have not learned how to connect with the eternal spirit. You're obligated to know the word of God as a Christian. You should be in the word of God. You should know the word of God, but that can't replace the fact that you have to be connected. And... You cannot be effective beyond the connection that you've made with him. So <clears throat> people preach a lot of times and they're in their pulpits preaching and they're preaching good messages, but they scratch their head and wonder why despite their good sermons, there's no power, there's no authority, there's no supernatural miracles, signs or wonders. And that's because they have not cultivated a connection with God. So there has to be a healthy balance in teaching. You have to teach people the word of God. Right doctrine, First Timothy 1 and 2, the word doctrine is mentioned nine times within ten chapters. Of course, that's important. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, you have to teach people, how do you make a connection with the Holy Spirit? Who can lead you to make a connection with Jesus? And so sometimes it's good to put your books down. It's good to even, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, to put your Bible down and close your eyes and start making a connection with the Lord. Oh, how could you say that about put your Bible down? Listen. When you worship, and I'm worship, and I'm engaged in worship, I'm not reading my Bible. When the preacher's preaching, I'm not reading my Bible. And when you're waiting on the Lord and trying to make a connection with Him, unless He leads you to, focus on Him. Focus your thoughts and focus your mind on Him. When you connect with God, His glory will become a reality in your life. His presence will become a reality in your life. Because when you connect with Him, you're connecting to His presence. You're connecting to His Spirit. And when you connect, He releases His presence. When that connection is made, He shows up and you begin to come familiar with His presence. There begins to be a residue in you. Now, when you connect to the presence of God, what begins to happen is your spirit begins to absorb His presence the way that your body would absorb uh food that you eat you eat something let's say you eat a granola bar your body starts breaking down the proteins it starts breaking down the starches it starts breaking down the waste and you begin to absorb what's good when your spirit gets into the presence of god it begins to break down and absorb the love it begins to absorb the virtue it begins to absorb the peace it absorbs the joy and all of the other things that are involved in the glory of god and it becomes a part of your spirit just like that protein becomes a part of you, when you eat something healthy, you become one with His presence. And it becomes a part of you. 
And that happens when you connect to him. He and his glory and his presence becomes a reality in your life. That means that the love of God begins to override hate. Fear starts to be overrided by faith. Holiness starts to override any perverseness in your life. And you'll find that you are only as powerful as your connection because your connection determines how much of him becomes in you. And the more frequently you bind yourself up with God, the more you'll know him and the greater your faith will be. You can't. There's people that read the Bible and know it and they don't know God. They don't know him outside of the Bible. And then they try. This is what's interesting. People read the Bible. And they don't know God, and then they try to take the word of God and use it on God to get a God that they don't know to do something for them that they've never met. You can't use God's word on him when you don't know him. You have to know him through waiting and making a connection, and then his word will start to make more sense in your life. And your knowledge of who he is will begin to line up with your knowledge of the word of God, and they'll be in perfect harmony, and you'll know how to use his word and when not to use his word. And what to use his word for. Hallelujah. But if you never connect with God, what happens is much of what you say will be words without power. Words without, I mean, have you ever heard someone say, say something and then someone else comes along and says the exact same thing and the person, you know, one of them had power and one of them had no power when they said it? Words without power are words that are born out without having a connection. I'll say it like this, words without power are words that were born without a connection. Someone else said it out of their connection. Someone else preached it from someone else's connection, and you just picked up on that and said it yourself, and there's no power behind it because it didn't proceed out of his presence. Every word that you say should be produced from a connection that you made out of waiting on God. This is how the prophetic comes. The prophetic is extremely important in preaching and in our lifestyle. The prophetic is insight into the mind of God. What is he saying right now? Uh, understand that the prophetic is not always foreknowledge. The word of knowledge and the word of wisdom has to do with foreknowledge and past knowledge. But basic edification, exhortation, and comfort, that's prophecy. Something that is inspired. Prophecy basically boils down to inspired utterance from God. And that comes only through making a connection. If you have someone that doesn't make a connection, is never connected to God, God doesn't move upon them sorrowly and they try to prophesy, it's going to be out of their own spirit and it could lead others astray. So prophecy has to be born from a connection that we have with God. And when we have that connection, we'll know when to use it and when not to use it. So also understand that when you're going out throughout your day, and sudden thoughts and emotions begin to be produced inside of you. I'll give you an example. I remember I was getting out of bed one morning. I just spent time in the Word of God. And uh, I started getting discouraged. I started getting upset. started producing a hint of uh, frustration in me. And uh, the Lord checked me. And he told me, what are you connected to right now? I thought, what? What are you connected to? The eyes of my inner man were either A, hooked to myself, or B, hooked to the lies and the thoughts of the enemy. And I saw by the Spirit wires connected to uh, the enemy. 
like a switchboard, like a computer that represented the enemy, and he was feeding me with his thoughts, he was feeding me with his ideas, he was feeding me about what he had to say about the situation, and I saw myself go in there and start ripping the connections and ripping those wires out and throwing them down and breaking that connection, and I said, I break this connection now in the name of Jesus, and I, you know, undo myself from it, and as soon as I did that, the discouragement disappeared, the thoughts disappeared, because I had the eyes of my mind focused on the enemy and he was feeding me through that connection so you have to connect to the holy ghost get his mind on things get his words on things break every connection that you have with the enemy and then realign your connection with the lord make it a point now let me summarize take time every single day and close your eyes quiet your inner man down quiet your mind down be still not just posture on the outside, but still yourself. Quiet down and say, Lord, I worship you. I praise you. And focus the eyes of your inner man on the Lord Jesus. Pray in the Spirit. Close your eyes and allow that connection to be made. When that connection is made, the, you, you will know because there will be a rumble in your spirit. A joy will start to bubble up. A peace will start to overtake you. It's possible sometimes for joy to start coming out of your spirit and peace to start flowing down your outer man and in your inner man. And then all of a sudden you'll start to notice that there's an expectation and a faith in your God, Jesus, will start to arise. And then before long, your room will start to become heavy with the presence of God. And you say, what do I do when I make that connection? Just wait. Allow that to do the work in you. Sometimes we're so busy. Try, when we get in the presence of God, we want to work, we want to work, we want to work. When you get in the presence of God, you do what Mary did. You sit and you wait at the feet of Jesus. Martha, she was inside working. Mary, she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's what you do when you get in the presence of God. You wait and you allow the Holy Ghost to overtake you and speak to you. And when that presence lifts, you'll come out changed and you'll have a heart of thankfulness. You'll thank you, Jesus. I praise you. And if you do this, you will live longer. I'm telling you, you'll live longer. Your body will be healthier. It's better than the best exercise. Exercise and bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable to all things of what Paul tells Timothy. Amen. Let me pray for you before we go tonight. Father, we worship, we praise you, we give you glory and honor. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every listener tonight. I break the power of every foul spirit, every darkness that's around us. I take authority over everything that hinders. And in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, dread, depression, darkness, I command them to go right now, Lord. I pray for healing. Someone, you're laying at home, you're in back pain, I speak healing to you. There's someone listening, you have kidney failure. I speak life to your kidneys right now. In the name of Jesus, I command migraine headaches to be whole and to be healed. Father, I pray for mothers that are upset and broken about their children that are backslidden. I break every spirit a rebellion over their life in the name of Jesus. And I pray health and healing and wholeness and joy in every listener tonight, God. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, friend. Remember, you can go on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com and type in The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation by me, Chris Palmer. And you can order it today. Or, uh, you know, what I want to remind you as well is that uh, coming up, in October, beginning October 25th uh, at 7.30 p.m., as well as November 1st, November 8th, and November 15th, they're Fridays, I'll be teaching at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi, Michigan. It'll be a night of 
praise, worship, and prayer, and preaching and teaching. And so I want you to come, bring a friend, bring your Bible study. And it starts at 7.30 p.m. And there will be more information that becomes available. But just want to get your mind on it. God bless you, friend. We love you. And we will see you next week, 12.15, on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. God bless. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com. Or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Ministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ 103.5 FM, The Light.